Outcomes Rocket Nation, Saul Marquez here. I want to talk to you about growing your practice. Fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that helps practitioners dispense professional-grade supplements, improve patient adherence, and grow their practice from anywhere. When you write prescriptions, they're sent to your patients via text or email, and when they place an order, their supplements get shipped right to their door, eliminating your inventory costs. It's loaded with features like EHR integration to save time, patient wellness content to stay top of mind, and adjustable profit margins to control revenue. It integrates with your way of working and with your patients' day-to-day lives. Best part of it all, it's free. So try Fullscript today. If you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, visit fullscript.com rocket for an extensive guide on supplements and drug nutrient depletion and interactions. Visit fullscript.com rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here and I have my good friend Paul Grand with us today again. He's the founder and CEO of MedTech Innovator, the premier nonprofit accelerator in the medtech industry that seeks to improve the lives of patients by advancing companies poised to transform the healthcare system. You guys probably remember his name and potentially even attended his virtual meeting that you all got an invite to, the COVID-19 virtual meeting. If you didn't get a chance to, to check that out, it's still available on their website, medtechinnovator.org. Uh, you'll find that there under their events. And so, uh, you know, I'm having him here again to really take a deeper dive into what MedTech Innovator does. Paul was a serial entrepreneur starting companies in the biopharma, medtech, and tech industries. He became a venture capitalist in 2005 when he joined RCT Ventures. It's an early stage life sciences investor where he served as managing director. And at RTC, Paul focused on medtech investments and sourcing innovation. He founded MedTech Innovator as a program within RCT Ventures in 2013 and left to run MedTech Innovator where he is now as a standalone company with RCT support in 2016. Paul has interacted with thousands of medical technology startups as part of MedTech Innovators' rigorous review process. I had a chance to to attend one of their uh, review processes in, in their Chicago conference. I'll be releasing some of the videos shortly, over 15 videos that we did there with some of the amazing companies he engaged, and uh, uh, you'll see some some links to that here coming soon. But let's dig into to the work that they do there at MedTech Innovator by uh, welcoming Paul to the podcast. So so grateful that you're here with us, Paul. Thanks, Saul. Uh, it's great to uh, be back, and uh, great to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to dive into MedTech Innovator. What makes you guys so unique? the model that you run, and all the great outcomes that have come from that. But before we do, Paul, I want to hear what inspires your work in healthcare. So my background, uh, as, uh, as you and I've talked before, Saul, is as an entrepreneur. And I started a whole bunch of companies myself. You know, I was uh, an entrepreneur in uh, first in tech, then in biopharma, and then med tech. Um, and then eventually venture capital. And as a venture capitalist, you know, the whole, the whole job is mainly to say no. You know, it's mainly spending your time listening to pitches and then telling people, you know, um, it's not a fit for us or it's too yeah. early or whatever you happen to tell people. And, um, you know, and, and having 
met thousands of entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur myself, uh, I really had this incredible um, opportunity to see amazing people really um, spending their entire lives and livelihood and stress and everything else on, um, on these incredible medical innovations. And that's really what inspires me in healthcare is the innovators themselves, the entrepreneurs who are working tirelessly to provide solutions to the problems that plague all of us uh, and, and realizing that they're, they're struggling um, and that you know, the patients are, are suffering unnecessarily because medical innovation uh, isn't getting to them. And, and that's the thing that really inspires me is, is that intersection of, you know, the entrepreneur and the medical need and the patient and, and wanting to see, you know, that, you know, that friction go away and to see solutions. So, you know, I'm inspired by those innovators and that's, that's what I do, what I do. I love it, Paul. And, you know, it's a uh, very unique folks, what Paul does. And the first time I heard about it, I'm like, wait a minute, what? A nonprofit competition and accelerator for medical device companies and digital health companies, uh, also diagnostics. How does this work? You know, that was my question. And I'm sure you guys are all wondering the same thing. So tell us how you guys are adding value to this ecosystem. You're passionate about these entrepreneurs because you're an entrepreneur. How exactly are you helping them and how is it different than what's available? Well, there's tons and tons of pitch events. Yeah, you know, there's tons of competitions, you know, you can't look at a conference these days and not see a, uh, you know, an innovator competition or, or a pitch of some kind. So, you know, that in itself isn't unique, even though we were one of the first people to do it in healthcare, you know, it's happening all over the place. So that's not really what differentiates us. Um, where we're adding value is, uh, I would say, in the area of, of impact. Um, and engagement. And, you know, typically you see a competition somewhere, there's a, you know, a bunch of people compete, they get a, you know, a bunch of applause at the end, they might get a check, they might get some social media posts, and, uh, and then, you know, the audience claps and it's over. Yeah. And, and that's really not impactful. You know, that for me isn't, you know, other than being able to say so-and-so won the blah, blah, blah award. Um, that's kind of where it ends. And, and I don't think that adds value. Um, I think value isn't just about the visibility that some of those events provide. Um, I think it's all about engagement. And so the place that MedTech Innovator provides value is in that engagement. So, you know, we've got at this point 20 corporate partners, many of whom are the largest strategics in the MedTech industry, you know, companies like Johnson & Johnson and Baxter and Olympus and so on. Um, we've got 20 of those. And, and these are all companies that have a similar alignment, you know, they um, into uh, themselves and to, to us, the alignment is to see products reach patients um, and not only see products reach patients, but reach patients with high value. And, and what I mean by that is that the product can be bought, that it offers value to the healthcare system, that the product doesn't just sit on the shelf. Um, unfortunately, as a venture capitalist um, or as uh, anyone who's on the business development side of the industry, everyone's got tons of stories about products that were approved, but then because the economics weren't right, you know, they, they're not being purchased um, or, uh, or the product was, was, you know, acquired by somebody, 
But then, you know, they, they took a look at it and they realized, you know, whether the economics were off or the usability, whatever it might be, the human factors um, were wrong. Uh, the thing isn't being used and uh, it winds up getting torn apart and rebuilt. And, you know, that's just a huge loss of value and time um, and, and ultimately impact. And so we figured out is that if we could, you know, I used to, you know, say it was kind of like a time machine. If we could go back in time, you would say, uh, you know, God, if I had known that startup a year ago, I really could have fixed that um, mm-hmm. before they spent all their money and wasted it on things that, you know, aren't offering the right value. We could have just given them the right input. And so that's what we're trying to do here is meet these companies at an early stage. And I mean, the startups um, as an industry, you know, bring together the leaders who are aligned in the industry to meet with the startups at an early stage when you have a chance to have an impact. And I don't mean when they're at a university and they have an idea. I mean, they've got funding, they've got a product, they've got prototypes in development, they've got some early clinical evidence, maybe some early preclinical, whatever it might be, still might even be bench data, whatever it is, but they're on the path. They've got a team in place, they're dedicated. Um, You know, that's the time that if we could get together with the best, you know, the most compelling startups as an industry and have an impact on that stage, you know, we're going to have a massive impact on outcomes. So that's the place that MedTech Innovator plays. You know, that's the value we add. We engage those industry leaders at a very early stage in a structured program, much like a corporate accelerator. Uh, we do that. And, um, and we, we have, as a result, we have companies that are getting the input and the guidance they need to be successful. And the last point I'll make on the question is that ultimately, you know, a, a big gap exists today. Um, and it has, that was really the motivation behind starting MedTech Innovator was that there was a massive gap in guidance um, for the people who are at these very early stage companies that I'm talking about. The people who are funding them, unfortunately, in most cases, are friends and family and angels and people who just don't necessarily, you know, they have the right you know, the right motivation, but they don't have the experience and the network and the ecosystem to provide support. So, you know, these startups get, you know, unfortunately either bad advice or no advice. And, and as a result, you know, they're not, they're not going to be successful. So that's the place we add value. And, um, and that's the place that, you know, we intend to really make an impact. Yeah, I appreciate that, Paul. And, you know, having attended the the event in Chicago, I got a really great appreciation of that advice component. And, you know, you sit around a bunch of tables with industry experts that Paul and his team pull. There's venture capitalists, there's industry executives, there's consultants. I mean, I was impressed with the number of advisors and judges at the event. And I went from table to table and just some of the advice is priceless, especially in the stage that these early companies are are in is just incredible. So if you're a, an early startup that has that path toward growing, but you're not quite there yet, maybe you've gotten rejected a bunch by venture capital firms because you're not at the right stage. I would definitely encourage everyone to check out MedTech Innovator as a potential partner in their accelerator because how they do it is different and, um, and they're taking care of that niche that's not currently getting the attention that needs. So talk to us a little bit about the success you guys have had, Paul, and you know, what, what have you guys done in terms of numbers and ability to, to help scale companies? Well, I certainly like to talk about the portfolio uh, and, and its success. 
because that that's really what we measure our success by. Um, so we look at our companies constantly to see what they're doing, whether they're releasing um, new products, whether they have regulatory approvals, you know, obviously funding rounds are a nice proxy for making progress. Um, so our startups, companies who've been through MedTech Innovator and our competitions or our, our accelerator program have gone on to raise $1.6 billion in follow-on funding, um, which for MedTech is a pretty big deal. Nice. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a space that is, you know, classically hard to raise capital. Uh, and they, the, the portfolio has done very well in that respect. Uh, but more importantly, there's now 54 products on the market since companies have been in MedTech Innovator. And, uh, you know, that's something that we're extremely proud of. Uh, we expect that to, you know, to continue to grow pretty rapidly because almost all of our companies are still in business and still raising capital and making progress. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, the number of products tracks the uh, the number of startups that come into MedTech Innovator. Um, so those are some of the ways that we, you know, we look at outcomes. And then also, frankly, just looking at how these innovators impact, you know, the community. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to have stats. I don't have them yet on how many patients' lives have been impacted. But I can say that, you know, in a crisis like we've all been part of in the pandemic, um, it's been really inspiring to see our startups and how they've quickly reacted and pivoted in some cases, um, to address the, you know, the COVID pandemic and, you know, and, and just watching them every day, um, you know, we just put out our latest newsletter and uh, I think there was a dozen stories in there about our startups, um, you know, addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. You mentioned the uh, event we did before with BARDA not too long ago, focused on startups deploying solutions right now um, or soon for, uh, to address the pandemic. You know, and these are people who are, you know, are doing it all the time. So, um, you know, whether it's companies that are doing things like monitoring patients who might be on a, on a particular medication like uh, hydroxychloroquine when those studies have been going on, you know, potentially to see if that was a drug that could help in COVID. You know, uh, one of our startups was there in the middle of that study, um, Bardi DX, with, uh, you know, their device to monitor, you know, patients for arrhythmia. And, uh, or whether it was uh, Gauss, which is one of our companies in our portfolio that's got a solution for monitoring blood loss during surgery is kind of their core product, but they came up with a, an innovative uh, way of having people be able to go to the drive-through COVID-19 screenings and have a contactless app that would be almost like a TSA pre-check that would speed them through the process um, and be able to get, you know, get through that line faster and triage that patient for a diagnostic or not. And those are just like two examples as that out of a, out of dozens of them. But, but the point is that like, you know, in the middle of trying to be a, a startup doing what they normally do and bringing their product to market, you know, these people are scrambling other, other ones who come up with ventilators, you know, they came up with their innovative ventilation ventilator solutions um, that were not their core business, but they knew they could help or they're making PPEs and so on. So, you know, it's incredibly inspiring to see that kind of success and to see, companies that are nimble and that can really have an impact and that ultimately in almost every case are going to wind up as acquisitions. Um, and that hopefully means that that DNA is going to wind up impacting a larger organization and make them a little more nimble um, and give them kind of that innovative way of thinking. So, you know, that's, that's some of the ways we look at success and obviously acquisitions are a last one I could mention, you know, we've had um, 11 acquisitions so far. Um, amazingly, we had two acquisitions 
in the last month alone. Um, in April, we had um, Baxter acquired a company called Two Cents that was in our portfolio, um, who's got an amazing technology for uh, remote monitoring. Um, and uh, Orthopediatrics acquired Apifix, um, which is a non-fusion scoliosis technology. So, you know, those are some nice ways. But ultimately, I think the, uh, the best measure that I, I, I hope to share with you on a future podcast is the number of patients who've been impacted. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by your mission-driven approach, Paul. It's certainly, you know, a, a breath of fresh air in, in the space. And, and I think it's one that will continue to get results for, for your company, but also the, the partner companies that you're working with, and most importantly, the patients and, and entrepreneurs that are helping those patients. Uh, what would you say has been one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced with MedTech Innovator? And what was the key learning? So setbacks are always, you know, an interesting thing, right? Thinking about, you know, what's gone wrong. You know, I try to always learn from, uh, you know, learn from mistakes. Um, I think in, in MedTech Innovators case, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we haven't had a setback in terms of, of growth or financial support or partners or things, you know, in that way. You know, I think, you know, maybe, you know, if anything, the only thing I could say along the way um, is that we've had the only time we've ever lost a, a partner who's, you know, so we started going all the way back to the beginning. I should rewind for a second and say, um, you know, MedTech Innovator, when I started it, I was a venture capitalist, as you mentioned, at RCT, and we decided to spin it out. And RCT put up half the money and Johnson & Johnson put up the other half of the money um, in our first year. And then we brought on a bunch of other sponsors as every year, you know, new people joined the program. And and so, you know, a setback for me, then I would say would be losing a partner. Mm-hmm. And the only time that's ever happened was because of an acquisition. And that was uh, uh, where one of our our partners um, made a big acquisition. Um, so that was Beck and Dickinson uh, acquiring Bard. And as a result, you know, there was a big change in their, um, you know, their innovation team. And so basically we lost our sponsor, you know, the, the whole unit that used to support us disappeared. So, you know, for me, you know, you know, I took that, I would say that would be a little bit of a setback because you say, well, you know, you just lost, um, you know, a big part of your financial support. And more importantly, the people who are involved in, in working with startups, you know, Beck and Dickinson's a very innovative company and the team we were working with there um, was particularly innovative when it came to uh, working with startups. Um, and so I'd say that was probably the biggest setback was, was losing them as a partner. And, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, as I said, for a lack of performance on our end, uh, you know, it was because they made a big acquisition and they made a change in how they were structured and for innovation. And I know that there's a lot of great things going on there and um, I'm hopeful that we'll work with Beck and Dickinson again, but um, you know, I'd say that's probably the, you know, a setback would be that. Um, but, you know, we now have 20 corporate partners, so I'm certainly proud of that. Um, and I think the lesson learned is to, you know, would be in general that you can't, you know, you can't, um, you certainly can't depend on any one partner to be successful for an entity, especially someone like us, a nonprofit, mm-hmm. you can't put your eggs in one basket. And we, we didn't, but you got to understand that at any time, uh, you know, that rug could be pulled out from under you. And even though you're performing really well and things are going great, you may not necessarily, you know, have that support next year. Um, so I think that was a big lesson. And, you know, so diversification was really important. Um, and, you know, we've really grown since then. And then also, I think, you know, the other lesson too, is that, you know, we don't want to be dependent on just one place from a, uh, an ecosystem perspective. So we, most of our financial support came from uh, the med tech industry itself, as I mentioned, who really is our partner. 
but uh, you know we can't just depend on that. So we've also been lucky that um, we caught the eye of a number of federal agencies and others, again, who are aligned in that same mission to bring technology to patients. So you know, we've been working now for years um, with some support from uh, the NIH, FDA. We're a subawardee on a pediatric program for the FDA. Um, we're an accelerator for BARDA, who I think we all you know have heard of BARDA uh, because they're right in the center of a lot of the work happening to support innovation related to the pandemic. And uh, we're also working with uh, the U.S. Army as well to support some of their innovation um, that would help um, our soldiers. And, um, and so the, I guess the point is to diversify your funding sources um, is a very, very key learning. Yeah, that's a good call out, Paul. And, you know, for any of us building a business, it's critical that we diversify those those revenue sources and, and partner sources because that example that you shared, it was totally out of your control, but these things happen. And so what's in our control is getting those diversified sources and those partners to ensure that we're shielded at least to some degree from things that may happen. So love the call out, Paul, one that's applicable to both nonprofit as well as for-profit companies. Would you say you're most excited about today? Well, literally, literally, literally today, uh-huh. uh, I'm most excited about the fact that we just had our selection committee meeting yesterday um, with our corporate partners um, as the culmination of eight months of work to choose the 2020 cohort for MedTech Innovator. Uh, so you know, so Congrats. yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. So that was, you know. <laughs> I mean, we started last October um, when we opened up applications. And for us, that's not a passive thing where we just open up applications and sit back and they just roll in. I mean, of course, a lot of them do um, because our brand has gotten bigger, but um, we're out there scrambling, trying to find innovators wherever they may be to make sure they know about the opportunity. And I think we, um, we set ourselves a goal of getting to the 800 applications that we had last year, which we thought was really incredible. And we got um, over a thousand applications this year, you know, which is, which is just amazing. You know, I got to say, um, I'm always, it's always my biggest stress. My biggest, my biggest fear is, are people going to apply again? And, uh, and they do. And so we had over a thousand companies apply and, you know, we read every application. Most of our partners read most of the applications that are applicable to them. We've got a pretty sophisticated system for that. And then we have hundreds of other people who read the applications and then they choose the companies collectively they give us input and we pick and this year we picked 190 companies that we met with in person you got to see you know 30 of those in chicago saw and we had 190 companies in total many of whom we've only met virtually now because um, after the chicago event we had our los angeles event with 30 startups uh, and then we had to uh, make a switch and go fully virtual for all the remaining pitch events and so you know, the remaining companies that we saw, you know, if we saw 60 in those first two events, we saw 130 afterwards virtually. And those companies were all ones that we still wanted to have that same ability to not only hear their story and give them feedback, um, which is very important to us, you know, but to really kind of get to know them. And, um, you know, that's, that's hard to do virtually. And we spent that, you know, those last couple of months right in the middle of the pandemic doing this. And I think we've done a very, very good job. I think all of our partners were kind of blown away with 
how we were able to move our platform online um, in terms of a process. And luckily, I mean, we've been a virtual accelerator now for six years. So in these past five years, we really built a bunch of really great tools. Um, But, you know, as, as I said, getting to the point where we actually, after all that work and all the diligence that followed afterwards and follow up phone calls and references and all the other things you do along the way to finally get to a meeting where everyone sits around the virtual table as we did yesterday and all of our partners stand up one by one and they tell us which companies they want to champion for acceptance into the accelerator and other people chime in to give their thoughts too and and then we eventually vote and pick the companies is just the most exciting thing in this process all because um, you sit there and, you know, I sit back every time and, um, and I just kind of, I kind of laugh to myself because you're watching, you know, the senior vice president of business development for, you know, one of the major companies in our industry stand up and tell you about why they're excited about some little startup in Dublin, Ireland, or some <laughs> little startup in uh, Chicago or in Houston or wherever they may be. And, you know, and, and, and explain to the others, you know, what's so exciting and, you know, and to hear their passion uh, is really amazing. And, you know, that's incredibly, that in itself is incredibly rewarding. And, you know, as I said, it's just exciting to know that we've gotten past that hurdle. And um, maybe by the time this, this podcast is published, you know, people will be able to read the names of all the startups we've selected, um, but uh, that's coming up soon. So uh, I'm very excited about launching now into the next phase, which is the accelerator. So now at this point, you have 25 companies? Yeah, there'll be 25 in the accelerator and there'll be another 25 companies that are part of um, what we call the showcase. So Mm -hmm. um, those are the uh, companies that are a little more mature. You know, they're still startups for sure, but they're, you know, they're maybe they've raised a series B round or they're a little further, maybe they're at the clinical stage or maybe they're even in Maybe they're even in the market in some cases. So w- when they're in the showcase, so accelerators, right, they go to the finalist round and then they could potentially win the grand prize. But for the showcase companies, like tell me more about that area. Uh, that's a great question. So the, and technically all 50 companies are part of the showcase because we, oh, showcase, okay. we showcase all 50 of them. And so it's a subset, it. the subset that are the accelerator companies. And, um, you know, and it's something that we semantically always try to figure out how to best word, but, but yeah, so there's 25 earlier stage, 25 later stage companies in the total cohort and the 50 companies then are, that are showcased, you know, they all get those same benefits. So it's not just the 25, you know, companies that are showcased only, if you will. Um, but, but what the benefit is for them um, is visibility number one? Um, so we give them, you know, a huge amount of visibility in uh, our program. So we'll be doing our program a lot more virtually this year than we usually do when it comes to the showcase, uh, because you know, generally speaking, these companies get to present at the largest events in the med tech industry on both the West Coast and the East Coast of the U.S. So on the West Coast, it's it's the Wilson Sonsini Medical Device Conference, which they do each year. And on the East Coast, it's the AdvaMed conference, which uh, is called the MedTech Conference. And that rotates from city to city. And and sometimes it is on the West Coast. Um, But this year, uh, it's to be in Toronto. Uh, But the point is that the leadership of the industry will be there. And um, and the thing, the only companies that get to present at those conferences are MedTech Innovators companies. Um, That's exclusive. So there's there's no ability to pay to play, if you will. It's entirely merit-based. The only way to present at those conferences is to be a MedTech innovator 
company in the current year's program. So there's a, you know, that means that the leadership of the industry who's going to get to do business development and interact with these startups is going to be meeting with our companies. Um, so that's a huge amount of visibility. Um, they also get covered in a lot of the media and, um, and other things that we do to provide them with that. And then they get access. So for example, we have a CEO exclusive dinner. That's the CEOs of the major med tech companies. So, you know, it could be, uh, you know, Alex Gorski from Johnson and Johnson or someone else uh, from one of the other companies that's there. Uh, and then they look over and they're talking to one of our startups um, because the only people who can be there are the CEOs of the, the med tech companies, large or small. Um, and our startups are, are invited to that. Um, and then it's just in general, they have access to all of our corporate partners, not in not for mentorship in the way that our accelerator companies do. Uh, but they still have access to them. They get to um, engage with them, talk with them, have meetings with them, you know, whether it's in person or virtually. Um, they get to spend time with those companies and develop what I would call unique relationships. You know, they're not proprietary in that no one has any strings into our companies, but they have a unique opportunity to sit down with people who recognize that these companies have been vetted through a pretty rigorous process and that they're likely to be on their doorstep as a potential acquisition or partner at some point in the future. And so they take these companies very seriously and, and they know this is an opportunity to still have an impact on those companies. Even if they're not in our accelerator, they can still sit down, talk about strategy, um, talk about their market access plans and so on and give them advice, you know, and, and have a channel. So, you know, that channel is very important and the startups that are in the showcase, uh, you know, all get that opportunity. Love it. That's so cool, man. Um, I appreciate you explaining that. It's a great opportunity. If you guys are wondering how to get engaged, obviously they're, they're pretty far along this cohort, but they'll start up again soon, medtechinnovator.org. Um, Paul, you know, one of the things I love to ask our uh, innovative guests like yourself is what are you reading lately and um, what books do you recommend? Do you have one in mind? You know, I do. It's funny. Um, one of my partners um, from uh, Maxim Ventures, um, Chris Neal, um, and I were talking after uh, the Wilson Sonsini conference last year. And, and he said, you know, tell me about your plans. You know, where are you taking MedTech Innovator? And, you know, I was telling him about some of the ideas I had. And he's like, what's holding you back? And, um, and I said, oh, you know, it's just, just time, just focus, just bandwidth. You know, I'm just, you know, I got a lot of, you know, a lot on my plate. And, and he said, have you read this book, Atomic Habits? And uh, I don't know, Saul, have you heard of the book Atomic Habits before? I, a friend of mine recommended it to me. Yeah. yeah yes. And I read it. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty James awesome. Clear. Yeah. James Clear, Atomic Habits. Um, I thought it was an awesome book. And, you know, uh, you know the, I think this is the, kind of the core premise for me there is, you know, obviously it's kind of that whole exponential idea that little changes that really add up and make a big impact. And, but also about, about the fact that you need to, you need to, you know, this is, success is not an accident, even though some people might find overnight success, you know, in some crazy situation, for the most part, uh, you know, people work at it and yep. you got to have a discipline and just as disciplined as, you know, I am about running MedTech Innovator, uh, you know, I also have to have the discipline to do something in this case, you know, some little change that I could make, you know, I kind of thought about it, what could I do? And I thought about my, you know, some of my goals for MedTech Innovator. And a lot of it has to do with, building our ecosystem. And, and so for me, you know, it's, it's reaching out every day to a, you know, a different person, uh, to somebody, whether it's someone I know already or someone new, but, but making sure I do kind of one additional outreach every day, even amidst the crush of everything else going on. And I'm still making, you know, a plan to talk with somebody. I have follow-up calls constantly with, 
companies from our portfolio or people who I've never met before and just want to know. So, you know, that was my one little change I wanted to make is to make sure I did that every day. Love it. Super cool. I, I think it's a, uh, it's a great, great book and, and uh, a nice change. I, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, one of the ones that I've put into place is every Tuesday, I've got connection Tuesdays. So similar to yours, Paul, <laughs> you're like my brother from another mother. We've said that before. Right? <laughs> I love that about you, man. You're always thinking. Um, so here we are at the end. Uh, certainly uh, always inspiring to, to connect with you, Paul. And today, you know, folks, you get a chance to see and hear what the MedTech innovator, Paul and his team are doing. Be sure to reach out to them, stay engaged uh, with them, because obviously there's some great opportunities for you too, as whether you be uh, strategic, looking to invest in interesting ideas, companies, or if you're those one of those small or medium-sized companies that's looking to get to the next level, definitely a great gentleman to know and a great company to engage with. Paul, share with us a closing thought, and then the best place where the listeners could uh, continue the conversation with you. Thanks, Saul. So, you know, I think my, um, you know, my greatest um, call for your listeners uh, would be that, um, that they get involved in supporting innovation and that they don't just sit by the sidelines in, um, you know, kind of listening to stories like today's or listening or meeting some company kind of casually and clapping at the end and you know, um, and then taking a picture and moving on, like they got to support innovation. You know, you got to figure out how you can be involved in being part of the solution. Um, you know, the med tech space is extremely unusual in that the people who support the earliest companies, um, as I mentioned earlier, really generally don't have the proper network and experience to help those companies. And uh, as a result, the promising critical technologies that all of us are counting on to keep us healthy and to live longer lives are in jeopardy of ever coming to the market. And so, you know, I, my, you know, my hope is that, you know, people listening today will, um, will reach out to medtechinnovator.org, reach out to me, Paul at medtechinnovator.org. And, uh, and, and whether they reach out to me or whether they just reach out directly to a startup and have nothing to do with us, it's fine if they bypass us and just help somebody. But, but get involved. You know, if you see a startup, you know, even if it's as simple as just making an introduction, just saying, hey, you know, um, uh, you know I, I love what you guys are doing. You know, I know somebody who's an investor. You should, you know, let me, let me make that intro. You know, make the intro. Um, you know, go out of your way to just make, you know, just do a little bit, just to do one small thing to help that company along in its journey. And the ripple effect will be huge. You know, it's going to make an impact for all of us. So, you know, I hope that you'll get involved, whether it's with MedTech Innovator or whether it's, you know, just with startups in general, please, uh, you know, please do because, you know, what you have um, in your network, what you have in terms of your contacts really will make a difference. Uh, you know, you don't even have to give them any money. Just just give them a little bit of your time um, and uh, and you'll have a huge impact. So that's my that's my hope for everybody um, and that we all live longer, healthier lives as a result. I love it, Paul. Great call to action. And let's all do a little bit back to the atomic uh, idea, right? Atomic actions can create some big impacts here in, in the space. So, Paul, again, just want to say thank you for your, your inspiration and, and your thoughts and definitely looking forward to continuing our conversation. Thanks, Saul. Uh, love talking to you, my brother from another mother. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I can't wait for our next conversation.